Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeat is Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 29, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, the chapter We Agnostics, and we are at page 44. We'll be reading the last paragraph, if a mere code. Today readers are the 12 Steps, Robin L., the 12 Traditions, Nancy S. Our readers of the text will be Alice M., Elaine B., Charles H., and Sylvia F., if we need Sylvia. And our share code for yesterday, which was Wednesday, January 28, 2015, is was is seven two four one pound. That's seventy two forty one. The OA preamble over Eaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA, to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Robin L. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, everyone. This is Robin L. from Virginia, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
pass. Well, thank you, Robin L. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? Can hear you fine. Thank you. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Excuse me. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, in OA, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service in my past. Well, thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in chapter um, the We Agnostics on page 44, the last paragraph. I will now ask Alice M. to begin reading, please. Thank you. This is Alice M. from Florida, compulsive overeater. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. 
but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. And, um, you know, I, I grew up with a mother who set an incredible example of morals for me in most areas. Um, she was a social justice advocate, and she taught, she taught me. She was my biggest teacher of how to respect the dignity of all human beings. Um, you know, I had, I had an amazing example of how to treat people in the world. And it didn't, didn't help. It didn't help when it came to um, me and my disease and my eating disorders. Um, I often felt that, you know, that there's just, there was something inherently wrong with me. Um, why would I know how to treat the world and others, and why would I be treating them and others, and especially myself, in such the opposite way? So there was that conflict of, you know, what is, what is going on? And, um, and here, you know, it says... Um, in fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. And, you know, today, I tell you, you know, I'm, you know, I'm agnostic or atheist, but many of you would be surprised to know I am a Sunday school teacher. I, um, I attend a church that, um, that supports, you know, whatever your spiritual path is. And, and we, um, you know, I don't, it's, we don't have a creed or a dogma. We have seven principles. So, I, so here's these principles again. It didn't matter, you know. I'm 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 teaching these principles to the children. I'm, you know, I'm believing in them, but I couldn't do anything um, with them, with you know, to combat this disease. So, it, you know, I had all the resources at my hand, um, and I um. There was they. It's not that they failed me utterly. It's just that there was something missing. And I'm going to um, turn this over because I'd like to hear what some other recovered um, compulsive eaters have to say on this. And I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Alice M. This who is Lois. Like com- who would like to comment on what was read? Lois. Kim. Yeah, I heard Lois. Michelle K. I heard Larry. Kim. I heard Michelle K. Sally. <laughs> and I heard Sally. Let's go with those for now, okay? Lois, Kim, Larry, Michelle, and Sally. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, Lois M. in Massachusetts recovered. Um, I just needed to uh, share my experience with, with this paragraph that um, when I was in my growing up, I had very good values and morals. I was voted most cheerful in school, and um, when I was in my disease, what I remember distinctly when what that what this brought up for me was being in my kitchen and on my wall I had a St. Francis prayer. You know, I had a I had a very strong resentment against my oldest daughter. She just wasn't what I wanted her to be, and she wouldn't change. And um, I used to try to, you know, I knew that was wrong. I felt guilty about that. I prayed about it, and I used to. Um, you know, I used to read that right beside my phone, and then she would. I would try to practice this and try to change the way I thought. No matter what I did, I could not do it. And it wasn't just that one person. But when I was in my disease, you know, 
uh, I was a, I, a totally different person. I, I had a lot of shame and guilt and fear, and I depended upon other things going right in my life to make me feel good about myself. And everything had to be just right. People had to be what I needed them to be. Um, I was just into my own world of negativity. And, and I, I, I knew today, I know today that when I was in my disease, you know, my thinking was very distorted. And it, it always was distorted by my desire to eat, the, to desire to eat compulsively. And if I could think enough of, you know, the bad, my world was a mess. Why, why bother with anything? Everybody's against me. That um, I, it, it justified me picking up the food. No matter what I did, whatever book I read, I could not change this. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I, I learned, I received the message from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, surrendered, went through the process of the 12 steps, and learned about the, the power of this disease. I learned what the problem was, and I learned what the solution was, and I was willing to do that work. Thank you, God. So with that, I'm just going to pass. Thank you very much for letting me share. Well, thank you, Lois. Kim, you're next. Good morning, Janet. I'm so anxious to share. I have to leave work, leave work early, but I love this. is so essential for me. Um, my name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. And, and I can ditto Alice's experience. I had a wonderful childhood. I had a wonderful example of right and wrong and moral, a moral compass. But I didn't have the needed power that was there. You know, I have a good friend that says you can always tell how sick she was by how many self-help books she had on her nightstand. We could wish these things with all our might. So I just want to talk a little bit about my personal experience about what I was even taught in the rooms about what I should be able to will on my own. Just do the next right thing. Don't eat no matter what. Just think the drink through. Just remember your last drunk. They're all beautiful ideas. You know, practice these principles in all my affairs. Let me put down the food and I'm going to try to do a step 10. Let me put down the food and I'm going to try to act with courage and integrity and spiritual awareness in those later steps. This chapter is telling you why I can't do that. I don't have the power of my own to change my thoughts and my actions. I have to tell you, step three for me was, was exactly this paragraph. That I'm going to turn my thoughts and my actions over to God. What I would do is give God my wishes. He was like Santa Claus. I'm going to tell him what I want. And then if I'm a good little girl, if I can marshal my will and be a good little girl today, maybe God will give me what I want. And if I'm not, I'm going to get coal in my stocking. And let me tell you, in and of myself, what my experience is, I could shield myself from outside influences for a short period of time that was only followed by a bigger explosion than ever. I would be able to muster my will for short periods of time, and it was always followed by a worse relapse. And my personal experience was that I did a lot of damage while abstinent. I, when I was on the influence of the, flu, of the food, I was just under anesthesia. When I got abstinent and I was restless and I was irritable and I was discontent, that's when I really had a hard time following these principles because I was so angry and filled with resentment and fear and the sex conduct and the relationships. And those, those bedevilments haunted me even more in abstinence than it did when I was in the food. 
So this is not about having a good moral compass. Otherwise, we wouldn't have priests and nuns and ministers and rabbis coming to our rooms asking how they can stop drinking and stop eating. This is all about the fact that I need access to a power. I need access to a power, and in and of myself, I can wish to be moral. I can wish to be philosophically comforted, and I could will these things with all my might, but the needed power was not there. And with that, I pass. And thank you very much, Kim G. Larry K., you're next. Uh, thanks so much for your service. Uh, appreciate it, Janice. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, the the, uh, the problem is when we have an illness, you know, it, it has nothing at all to do with uh, moral or philo- uh, philosophically, you know, value-driven way of life. It it uh, it has. I mean, if if one had cancer, there's a lot, you know, good, you know, there's a lot of bad things that happen to good people. You, you know, you may be a good person, and uh, most of us have varied traits. You know, um, you know, I, I, I was a good person some of the time. I just had, <laughs> I was a prey to misery and depression, you know, so uh, I couldn't control my emotional nature much. It didn't mean that every so often I, I, I couldn't be uh, uh, nice to someone or, you know, I, I could be a decent enough, you know, gentleman on occasion. You know, even a broken clock is right a couple times a day. But um, the thing is, though, we have a sickness, we have an illness um, that, for me, this type of illness, you know, in terms of our addiction, we have an allergy of the body, we have an obsession of the mind, and uh, that's part of it. What I what I came to to, to know as I as I uh, learned more about my illness is there was something deeper. There was a spiritual malady, and that once I would straighten out. Uh, you know, get things in order spiritually um, with the, with the uh, higher power of my own understanding. Um, that I that I would uh, I, I would get right physically and uh, and men and mentally. It wouldn't mean that I would be rendered perfect. I'm always going to be a human, an imperfect human being. But um, it required that I would have a complete uh, spiritual transformation, a complete personality change, sufficient to arrest this disease. If, one has cancer, one is, uh, you take the treatment for it. You don't question that. Um, you get to make some decisions. I also get to make decisions here on whether or not I subject myself. Um, God will never, the God of my understanding will never, regardless of my morals, will never uh, force me to do this, will never force me to put the food down. Uh, God never stuffed my face with food either. That was my you know, decision each time. So I did have some power in terms of action, um, and I had the power to take these actions despite the uncertainty of whether or not they would work. Because you, you won't know, let's just say what I know, not that I, and I'm nothing special, believe you me, but you wouldn't know what I know unless you go through what I've gone through, which is um, a really simple program, but it's hard. And us addicts, we, we don't want to go through a period of uncomfortability. We really don't. I know I didn't. But the, the disease convinced me, or it did, you know, some people it doesn't, and then, and then you die in this disease, or uh, some other ancillary aspect of this disease will kill you. So um, that was why I had to do it. And, I had no, and, and now, interestingly enough, my morals and my philosophy are 
much better because God has changed me from the inside out. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Larry Kay. Michelle, you're next. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you good. Great. Hi, this is Michelle Kay from Northern New Jersey, Compulsive Overeater. And these were all such good shares that sometimes it's hard to follow. So I start to listen and I'm nodding my head, yeah, yeah. And I'm realizing as I'm listening that, you know, it's always been my will that that's blocked me from that power. And uh, I feel like I always knew, even from the time I was a little girl, that I was a compulsive overeater. When I, I certainly felt like I was suffering from something. I learned what it was in the preceding chapter, what I was suffering from. And now I know to conquer this illness, I need a spiritual experience. That's what I need. And I've tried. I've tried over the last 35, 40 years to wish my way and will my way into a better life, a saner life. But I had to face the fact that I had to find a spiritual basis of life or else. And I, and I knew that. A part of me always knew that because, man, I spent years searching for a spiritual path. I meditate, I chant, I do yoga, I go on retreats. I went from one spiritual teacher to the next. I read hundreds of books trying to absorb a more positive philosophy and code of morals. I am that girl with the pile of self-help books, with the pile of philosophy books. But no matter how hard I studied or how intensely I searched, the needed power wasn't there, wasn't available to me. I kept failing utterly. I, 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 I and my will kept failing. But now I have something I didn't know then, and that was that I had to find a power by which I could live, and it had to be a power greater than me. The answer was not in me. It was when I let go of me. And I thank God and my higher power, I think, this line, this book of instructions, which has enabled me to find access to that power greater than myself, which will solve my problem. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Michelle Kay. Sally A., you're up. Thank you, Janice. This is Sally A. Um, of South Jersey, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. I'm, new- I'm in New York, so I'm so befuddled. Um, so if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy, but, you know, it says this three times in a row, so you know that Bill's trying to drive home a point into my thick skull that I wasn't getting for so many years. You know, the code of morals at the bottom of the page and the better philosophy, what we do, how we think. It goes on to say co- such codes and philosophies did not save us. What we did, how we think isn't going to save us. And it says it even again. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. So again, harping on this, what we do, how we think. You know, and what we do, I have a compulsion. I have these cravings. I have an allergy of my body. So they're, they're taking another way of saying the same thing that they're saying over and over. You've got a body problem, Sally. You've got an allergy problem. You've got an obsession of your mind, a persistent preoccupation with thinking. That is my problem. This is the allergy and the thinking. Now, interestingly, as we enter these, these 
these paragraphs, I have to tell you that I never liked this chapter. I always wanted to skip it. I used to always say to people, to sponsors, to people who were my study guides, we don't have to do step one, two, and three. I got that. And do you know that the agnostics and the atheists, they had it made compared to me. That's why I was prancing around, as somebody put so beautifully, the mulberry bush for so many years in this program because I couldn't, I couldn't get that I didn't have anything. I thought that was my problem. My thinking was a problem. It was a thinking problem, not, not an eating problem. That was a symptom. It had a thinking problem. The, the agnostics, they understood. They were a blank slate. They were willing to open their minds and be willing to listen. Okay, I would consider the, the possibility that perhaps I'm wrong. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, but not Sally. I was so sure of me, so sure of where I stood on spiritual ground that I wasn't willing to listen to anybody. I was disregarding on a regular basis everything being said to me about this spiritual solution, lack of power. Well, I knew I had a problem, but I really thought, thought, there is that problem again. I thought I had things sewn up. I had step one, two, and three. It was time finally for me to say, I don't got nothing. I need to shut up and listen. I need to see what these people are saying and be open-minded once and for all. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Well, thank you. <clears throat> Pardon me. Thank you, Sally. We have a couple more minutes for a couple more chairs. Anyone want to comment? Barbara. Vasa. All right. We're going to start all over again. We'll start with, was it Barbara? Yes, Barbara B. Okay, Barbara B. And next would be... Oh. Rabia. O, Rabia. Matt M. And Matt M. Let's go with those four right now. Thank you. Barbara, go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovery Composable for Eater in Massachusetts. Uh, what a wonderful look this morning. I, like others, did my seeking and my searching because I did want to be a better person. I did want to be a moral person. I did want to have, as it says, you know, I wanted to be philosophically comforted. But my search, which I, 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 which I conduct with all of my will, I got yet another book. I took yet another course. I took yet another retreat, went on a program, a weekend, a week. I found another guide. I, I, I looked and searched. My power, though, ultimately came from food. That's where my comfort was. That was my higher power. There was no room for another power to gift me to move in with grace. There was no room. Uh, it had to be, for me, a surrender and a giving up in this program, uh, the learning and the accepting of my inability to give up my search and let myself be sought. Uh, and then do the work because, as it says, I want to live on a spiritual basis. I want to be moral. I couldn't not steal because I had to get that food in the supermarket. I couldn't not be a person of anger with all my hurts. There was no healing. There were no steps. There wasn't a path that had the power for me to care for the disease and all of its aspects. Thank you, God, for that path today, and I pass. Well, thank you, Barbara B., commenting. Vasa O, please click your up. Thank you. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. And I was raised in a home 
with a lot of morals. I had to be a good girl, had to respect teachers, authority figures, aunts, uncles, um, and, you know, I had to be always, you know, on guard to be a good girl. And, uh, but, you know, like, you know, I did that. And it probably kept me out of a lot of trouble by being, you know, unnice and respectful. I was not a rebellious child. I probably would have been in a lot of trouble. But anyways, uh, I was agnostic, you know, as we spoke yesterday, the previous um, um, paragraphs. And uh, especially when it came to the food, you know, what did God have to do with it, you know? And, you know, I, you know, I had some belief in God, watched TV around Easter or Christmas, and God was out there trying to help out there in the world more suffering people, more sufferers, you know, wars and sicknesses and starvation. But it just, I never thought I would, you know, to ask God to help me with the food. But again, I did struggle with the food addiction. I learned that I had the disease. I didn't want to have that disease. I didn't want to have the allergy. I didn't want to have that mental obsession. But again, after trying for so long, so many years, I was so sick and tired, you know. It's not like I can try. I tried to do to put the food down, but I couldn't. And then I learned here I needed to find a power greater than myself, which I call God today. But I listened, you know, when I started doing the big book, the readings, and I remember listening and just observing, and I wanted to have what those 100 people had, you know, the 100 men and women, probably there weren't as many women, those, you know, and just to follow the directions. And the solution was right here. And I was ready. I was just so ready to surrender to God. And then I just took off after that. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thank you, Vasa. Rabia, please, you're next. Good morning. This is Rabia, and I am a compulsive overeater from New York and so grateful to be with my fellow visionaries here this morning. And more is being revealed Today is day 10 of abstinence, and I did have a code of morals and a better philosophy. I had studied through the big book with the guide. I was living in all the 12 principles. I was living in 10, 11, and 12, and and what happened? For today, the shame of the lies of my disease has been lifted, so I'm so grateful to be able to to talk about what happened because honesty, that first step, that first principle of, of rigorous honesty, and so if it doesn't show, I'm still abstinent. Um, if I got away with it, I'm still abstinent. And so um, so I could, once I got to what I said was gold weight, because all I know is how to be on a diet, and, and so I would have, I had this gold weight. And then I could add foods back into my food plan, and so I did. 
And so then I could choose to, I was calling it volume eating for 15 minutes or for an hour here and there, now and then. Um, I wasn't calling it a binge. I was calling it volume eating. And it was okay because I was getting away with it. It didn't show. And you still thought I looked good. Um, And so I continued on like that. And um, and why would I admit that I had binged because of the dire consequences if I admitted I had binged? I would have to stop calling myself a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I may still be practicing 10, 11, and 12, but I'm not honest in step one. And if I broke my abstinence, I'd have to give up my service positions. I'd have to stop being the newcomer greeter, I'd have to let go of my sponsors, I'd have to go back to step one. And why would I do all that if it doesn't even show? Well, I have to do all that because I am a real compulsive overeater. And the day came, thank God, when one hour of binging now and then, here and there, exploded into a weekend of undeniable, prodigious bender. Um Finally, I can identify with Bill to the core of who I am. I am a real compulsive overeater, and um, and I must be rigorously honest, and I'm so grateful uh, to be able to do so today and with all of my fellows. Thank you. I pass. Well, thank you, Rabia. Matt M., you're up. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you good. Go ahead, Dick. Hi, good morning, uh, fellow visionaries. This is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater from the New Jersey area. Yeah, I too didn't like this chapter very much because it actually makes me question everything of all my beliefs and all what I what I really hold dear. And um, I realized, was it really working for me in the first place when I had like uh, uh, two, uh, over 500 pounds, almost 630 pounds on my highest weight and angry at the world and hating everybody else. I was laughing on the outside, crying crying and raging on the inside. Um, I didn't think I had any, well, I didn't think I had a lack of power. I just thought I had a, um, I just couldn't lose weight. You know, I just thought, oh, there's a reason why I'm, I have a thyroid issue or, you know, something, there's an, always an external source and I refuse to look to the internal, you know. And when this whole higher power business came up, I'm like, really? I have to do religion? I have to really, I went to church my whole life, forced to go. I didn't want to go. And, you know, the word spiritual still when I, when made me cringe because I, I, spiritual, I always heard spiritual, you know, in, in the church that I was raised in. So it's like it made me really anti, anti-higher power for a while. And, you know, seven years of, like, back and forth, off and on abstinence, you know. I, I was abstinent for the first came in a year and a half, lost a bunch of weight. And it's now an active relapse, got 30 days, got 20 days, got 10 weeks. You know, and it just was never consistent abstinence. Uh, uh, now I'm starting to finally get back to back abstinence, but I had to recently had to come clean and be honest. Someone mentioned honesty. Honesty is so hard for me because inside I lie to myself all the time. It's very easy to lie to myself because I live alone and adding a little bit here and a little bit there. No one sees it. You know, oh, it's just an extra this or an extra that, but it's still my abstinent food. It doesn't matter. It's healthy. You know, there's no sodium in it. But the fact that I'm doing that, it, st- it all starts with the food. You know, the serenity is what goes first. And I realized I wasn't giving some things over to my higher power. I'm getting some major test results today. And um, I know that's one of the reasons. And also because I failed um, 
to enrich my spiritual life, so I had to go back to day one yesterday. And I realized I was a really humbling experience, and it's not the worst place to be. I finally got honest with myself and the food and realized that 30 days I had wasn't consistent 30 days. I was a little bit here, a little bit there, adding extra food. And this chapter, I'm going to have to read it again because I'm, I'm working with my sponsor on step two questions, that um, I do have a higher power, and it's what helps me get honest. Because on my own, under my own devices, I'm never an honest person when it comes to the food, at least. Other things, yes, yeah, so with the food, no. So um, I'm really glad I'm reading this chapter and these two paragraphs. Thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you. I think I'm going to ask, um, oh, my goodness, Elaine V., if you would go on to the next paragraph, please. Elaine B., star one, to unmute. Okay. How about Charles? Are you available? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, I do hear you. Yes, page 45. Yep. All right. What page um, are we on, please? We're on page 45, the first paragraph, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so, Charles, uh, thank you, um, Janice. Charles A. to recover visionary just for today. Good morning, visionary. Lack of power. Did we lose you, Charles? Hopefully the power didn't go out. Can you hear me? Can yeah, you hear I'm, me? I'm oh. here. Okay. Um, I couldn't hear you. I, I don't know if everybody else could. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here. Charles H. Recovering Visionary. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? That's what we that's what we read, right? That's where we end? That's where just one up yes, one paragraph, please. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Um I'm gonna listen this morning. Thank you, um, Janice. You're just going to read. Okay, well thank you, Charles, for reading. Um, who would like to share on this paragraph? This would be Paula Mashia. Oh Paula This is Bella Can I share? Paula and Bella. Chrissy M. from yeah. Sylvia. Chrissy, Chrissy M. And I heard Sylvia. Let's go with that for now, those people for now. Paula, you're up. Okay, first I will start with thank you. What a wonderful way to start. Hmm? And my name is, and I will identify myself. Yes, I come to identify myself here. My name is Paula D. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered by and with the grace of God. And we will come here, lack of power. What I thought I had, what I thought I had. You know, we came to this sentence, lack of power. That was our dilemma. Oh, nobody likes a dilemma. It's like no easy way out. <laughs> and, and, of course, what was I looking for? The easy way out. But it said, and I'm going to just run right, just, just, just take a step back. Our human resources as marshaled to arrange ideas. And let me tell you, I did daily. Well, if I put this idea first, and then I'll move that one along, by the will, I had no idea I would be flying in a circle, and that I did. It wasn't sufficient. It wasn't enough. But until they failed utterly, as long as somehow there was a little glimpse of, well, maybe, 
you know, Mr. Einstein, which often I even debated this one. He says, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use when we created them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even him I challenged. What a mind I had. But as we come here, we had to. We had to find a power by which we could live. What I was doing was not living. It looked like it. It was like the facade on the, on the top of a building of a studio. It looked like it, but there was no solid part to it. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Could it be? And then it says, obviously, and I'm reading this word for word because it should be, until this sinks in. But where and how were we to find this power ends with the question. Seek and you will find. I will tell you, you will find what you seek. I had to seek out a power greater than myself to know who I was. My name means little. That's what it means. (laughs) Doesn't God have a sense of humor there? I was little. He was so big. I had it the wrong way. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. And thank you, Paula. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankfully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We had to find a power by which we could live. Wow. We could leave such a powerful sentence. Yes, before I came into the program, I saw that I have a power, and I saw that I am living, but it wasn't a living. It was a living to prove and to show the power. I was all the time in a struggle. I was all the time with a fight, either with a fight with myself or fight with Everybody else fight with the whole entire world because I wanted things should go according to my way, exactly the way I want. I wanted people should think exactly the way I think. I believed I had the power, but this wasn't a life. This was a life of getting approval. I wanted all the time to be approved. I didn't... I didn't trust myself because I was a failure. And I knew I, I am a failure. You see, I cannot lose weight. And why other people can do, why other people are doing diet and they are keeping their weight uh, off. So I am a failure. So I don't have the power. And I wanted so much the power. So I all the time was in a war, and I wanted so much to be the winner, and I was all the time the loser, and I believed that I am a loser, and this is the way I acted, so I I didn't live, physically maybe I was living, but emotionally and spiritually, no, not at all, thank you God that I am now in the program, and I don't need the power. I I am not looking for the power. I know that I am connected to a higher power than myself, to a a power that accepts me and loves me. I don't need to be approved again. And today, thank you, God, I live in freedom. Yes, today I, I give 
my, my power that I don't have to the higher power. Yes, today I know that God created me human and I am powerless. I have only one power to do the right choice one day at a time. And it's okay. Not all the time I know and I don't accept, expect myself to be perfect. And today I live in freedom. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Bella. Chrissy M., you're next. Star one to one mute. Hi, I'm Chrissy M., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. I just wanted um, to share briefly on this because it's one of my favorite paragraphs, lack of power, that was our dilemma. I remind myself of that um, a number of times throughout the day, that I, I lack the power. And I, I, I love the fact that even, even the 12 steps, try, trying to do the 12 steps on my own is, is sort of like the previous, for me, for the 20 three years that I was sober in AA, but in an active eating disorder. I was trying to work the program, which I I saw as a blueprint for living. I even wrote that in my last journal entry when I was hitting bottom with anorexia, that I don't understand God. God's my higher power. Um, I have this blueprint for living, and still my life is in shambles. Um... What I needed was a power greater than myself. And like I, I and even my faith, my, my belief in God wasn't the power that I needed. For me, the lack of power, the dilemma, was that I was trying to do it on my own. And for me, for this alcoholic, compulsive overeater, anorexic, it's about working with a spiritual guide bringing me through this blueprint of living. That's the greater power because on my own, I can't do this program. I can't um, even do it with just me and God because then it really just becomes all about me. So I need to receive and I need to give and harmonious action. That's how um, I stay recovered. Thank you. That's all I have. I pass. Well, thank you, Chrissy. M. Sylvia, you're up. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia uh, F., and I'm a recovered uh, uh, compulsive overeater in upstate New York. And the line I wanted to go over is we had to find a power by which we could live. And so this is the part in the book where we, we move on from alcohol and from food and we, we say, you know, that wasn't the problem. That was only the symptom. And certainly it says that throughout the book. So this has really made the case that we had a drinking problem. And that was to get us to this, um, that the solution was going to have to be finding this uh, spiritual solution. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves. So that we, it led us here to find a power by which we could live. And uh, later it says putting the drink problem aside, still in the same chapter. And so by the time I got in, and, and I loved that someone explained early on that we agnostics meant without knowledge, because I came in without knowledge, and 
people have referred to, you know, how hard it was for them to find a higher power or or, uh, or to believe that that they didn't know it. I came in knowing that I had no spiritual background. I was raised in a family that was an intellectual family, and um, and people who had faith were treated with disdain, and I envied their faith because I thought they seem like they have a serenity that I don't have because I was taught to believe that I was in control of life and my own destiny and my choices and my children's choices. And, you know, so it was exhausting. I went through life exhausted and um, and found food as my solution. And I've mentioned on this meeting many a time that when I came in and it was explained to me that I had a disease, that this was not my fault, and that there was a solution, and I could see through all of you that there was a solution, that I could have hope. I literally cried through, I went to a meeting just about every day and cried for two weeks. I was so relieved to know that it was not, I was not in charge of the world, and that if I followed these steps, if I did what people said, I had a chance of getting what they had. So uh, you know, so if if, if my sponsor, it, it not that I was an easy sponsee at all, because I did question a lot of things. But basically, I was a clean slate. And uh, you know, someone said, you know, pray to that rock, because that rock's going to really help you. You know, I tried to do it because I was desperate. Uh, the food got me in, but it was life that had beaten me down. So. I love that sentence. We had to find a power by which we could live. We're not talking about alcohol. We're not talking about food. We're talking about a spiritual solution that was going to make my life better. And I wanted that, and I still want that. I still fight for that by giving up my will uh, on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Sylvia. I'm going to just take a minute um, before we maybe have another one. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Lack of power. Well, at this stage, apparently, (laughs) I have no power because I tried and tried and tried by my self-will, by all the methods that I could find. It says we tried. See, they, the the alcoholics, the recovered men and women that have written this book, they're telling us that we've done the same thing as you and you and you and myself. Um, I tried and tried and tried myself. But my willpower, how did it work for you, Janice? It didn't. I didn't. I, I, it, so that didn't work. And I love the sentence that ties in with this power is, our human resources, as marshaled by the wind, will, were not sufficient. Everything failed that I thought I could do. And it said we needed a power greater than ourselves. Okay. So with me... Okay, I, I, you know, I even lived across from the church, and you know, I thought by osmosis I would get it, and then from I, well, I can't do it, so I think I'll go to OA, and which is was wonderful. It's a fellowship, but guess what? It's consists, it's consisting of human people. Then okay, well, I'll get a sponsor. Well, that's a human too, and these are all good, you know, but that didn't do it for me because I am beyond human aid. I need somebody, a power greater than me, greater than all of us. 
and this is what it's all about. Um, nobody else could fix me. There's no human power. I, I could live in the physical world and, and be successful and thought that was it, but it wasn't. I needed a spiritual life, and that's the answer. Um, how did I know? Because of my experience. And with that, I'll pass. Can, do we need? We have time for one more, perhaps? Maya, yes. Danner, Monica, B. Okay, let's have. Ooh, all right, let's have Maya, Janice. Yes, we'll have Leia and Janice, and see how that goes. Okay, because of time. Janice, thanks so Leia. much. Yes. Thanks so much, Janice. This is Leia, M. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We had to find a power by which we could live. It doesn't say. We had to find a power by which we could eat. Um, you know, the conclusion at this point was that I was powerless. I had no effect, effective power, you know, with respect to my compulsive overeating or my life, you know. Uh, it was true. Once I ate my binge foods, you know, I would lose control. But it was also true, it was equally true, that even when I was not compulsively overeating, I was, you know, or... I was thinking about compulsive overeating, and my life was unmanageable. And even with all my efforts, and even with all my uh, determination and my motivation, it would never deliver the hope for results. You know, my my uh, resources, by marshaled by my own will, were not sufficient. And you know, I would have all kinds of plans, but I would not be able to do you know what I wanted to do, and I would do what I didn't want to do. It was like I was possessed. Yes, you know, my life was unmanageable when it was managed by me. And I would, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I knew, no matter how much intellect I had gathered, I could not break free um, from myself. You know, I was, I was self-centered, and I couldn't even reduce my self-centeredness on my own. You know, and I, you know, pressed into this program of recovery, thank God, and was able to get connected um, with a power that did release me from self. This was not going to be based on knowledge. It was not going to be based on intellect. It was going to be based on an experience because my concept of the universe, my concept of God was the impediment to a relationship with God. So the program had to discard my old ideas and give me new ideas, and this process was for someone like me. For someone like me that was helpless, that was hopeless, and that was doomed. And this was not a self-help group that was going to help me. This is a process where I was changed in the way I thought, in the way I felt, in the way I behaved. I had not really been touched by years in therapy. I had a variety of experience with self-help programs. I had read books. I had met with many different eating disorder specialist, I had been relying on my own power, and when I was beaten and finally mangled, I saw at a new level that I was powerless without the intervention of grace. You know, so the solution for me was not to merely stop compulsive overeating. The solution, the bottom line for someone like me was to have a relationship with a spirit, with a power, which would remove my problem. So this was not about ordinary faith or ordinary therapy. This was a transformation through an experience. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Leah M. Janice P., please. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Bishop. You, my name is. 
Oh, I think we lost you, Janice. Perhaps you can do star one. Star one to unmute, Janice. Oh. oh, well, okay. I think I heard Monica. Monica, are you available? Yes, I am. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Janice. My name is Monica, and I am a real compulsive overeater here, recovered. Um, what I was going to uh, say, you know, lack of power, and then they had that word, obviously. And I was like, obviously, Monica, you know, has 50-something years of research and development on your own done it for you? Obviously, Monica, has the doctors, the pills, the therapists, and any of this thing done it for you? Has your own determination done it for you? No. And the answer to all of those was obviously no, no, and no. So how am I going to find this power? And I love that last question, but where and how are we to find this power? And I'll let you all in on a little secret. We're going to find it on page 40. No, wait a minute. We're on... <laughs> I've closed my book. We're on page 45, so we're going to find the answer on page 55. And uh, will that a pass? Thank you. Well, thank you, Monica. Did Janice, could you get back? Did you get back there? I'm here. Okay, good. We have a couple of minutes. We may have lost you. Please go ahead. Oh, are you, darling? Thank you so much. Yeah, call failure. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Good morning, Vision, for you. This lack of power, this lack of power that was our dilemma. You know, I needed to hear this. I don't know about you as a compulsive overeater, but this part of the book was a crushing blow. You know, it's a crushing blow to be faced with the truth, which is I couldn't do it. But, you know, if I looked at my own experience, step one got me to this place. I could see by my own experience that it was not working. What I had been doing, all the different methods, all the different ways, all the different efforts, I couldn't trust myself anymore because I would have these ideas, but they didn't work. And here it told me very clearly what was to be that I had to find a power by which I could live. And it had to be a power greater than me. But it, but it is a wonderful question. Where and how are we to find this power? But guess what? They're not going to leave us hanging. They're going to tell us and show us how to find that power. And for me, the experience, the process of the 12 steps. So be not afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry. It says you will come to believe, came to believe. So you don't have to be there right now. All you have to do is hang on tight, work the steps as if your life depends on it, which is what I did, and you will find that power because it's there to be found in the process, in the experience of the 12 steps. So I didn't have to be discouraged. I didn't have to say, oh, how can I do this thing? It didn't have to happen to me right here, right now. It would be a process that would happen to me. And the end result would be a life I never knew was possible. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you. Thank you, Janice, and thanks, everyone, for your share. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Elaine B., are you available to read the vision for you? Okay. How about Sylvia? Our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 164. I can do that, Janice. I'm here. I thought I was muted. Uh, unmuted. This okay. is Sylvia. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.